So um, our talk, and I say our because Courtney is going to get involved here in just a few minutes. I'm going to intro and we hope to tell some stories. Uh, we, are, we are just brand new into our journey with um, starting a new church in Denver. We moved there in July. It's been a really cool adventure for us so far. Uh, we have some things to share uh, from just the, it's a little over six months, I guess. Is it more than that? Um, but so our, our talk is, is called Prayer as the Engine Room for Mission. And I, I actually really, I didn't come up with the title so I can say this. Um, I, I really like that. Uh, I like the idea of prayer as the engine room. Um, and I was thinking like, oh man, engine room. And I thought of that movie Titanic, which is a movie about a, re a reality. Um, and what the heck is an engine room? It's pretty obvious. It's the room on a ship where uh, there's an engine. And what does an engine do? These are so obvious. You're like, why are we going through this? But uh, an engine propels a ship forward. I mean, there would, there would be no movement forward, period, if there were not an engine on a ship. And supposedly, I, I even have seen in the past, there's some like, um, I don't know what you would call it, scientists who've speculated, they even think the Titanic may have actually, like the main reason it may have sunk was from a fire in the engine room. Uh, some are arguing more than the fact that they hit an iceberg. To me, that's kind of like, I don't know. They hit a dang iceberg. <laughs> uh, but that, that's just to say, like these, these scientists, if they see it, it's so important, the engine. You know, like if there's a fire in the engine room, like that's, that's a big deal. And so we're saying today in this talk, it's really simple. We think prayer is, is it's the energy source. It's, it's, and we've started to really even experience that. It's been an experiential thing for us in the, the few months that we've been going at, at really intentional mission in Denver that prayer is this really huge thing and that without it, I, I'm going to make a pretty bold statement that I think prayer is, is without prayer, mission is impossible, actually. Uh, mission will not exist without prayer. Um, so even to switch it a little bit, I'm going to say prayer is the engine room for mission. That's kind of barely changing it, but like there's no... There's nothing, there's no source, there's no driving forward, there's no mission if we just stop praying. And so I want to say this with humility because we're not, yeah, we're like working, like Bert was talking about earlier, this is a practice we're trying to initiate. But I want to be really humble and just say like we're not, we're not the people who have figured it out and I'm not here to tell you a bunch of stories of what you should do that looks exactly like us. Um, but we've, we've seen some things, um, and what's really neat is I, I think that we can actually lean on the scriptures a ton with what I'm saying as well. This isn't just an experiential talk. Um, the Bible really gives, I think, the picture and lays the, the foundation that, that prayer is the engine room for missions. So no more intro. I'll be done with that. I want to start with this simple question to you in the room. And I'm sorry for the sake of the recording. Um, I don't know if it'll be able to hear your answers, but I would love to hear like feedback. There's a, just a few of us. It's, it's an, enough of a small crowd. That I think I'd love to hear from you. Simple question. Why does God want us to pray? I would love to hear some of your thoughts. Why 
does God want us to pray at all? Why is that a thing? Uh, I think he wants to hear our voice to, even though he knows exactly what we're thinking, um, that we were like crying out to him. Mm-hmm. Just like how Israelites always cried out to God, like, save us, we should be doing the same. Yeah. And I think he loves to hear when um, we do put him first. And that's a way of doing that is by praying. Yeah. To like actually talk to him instead of just say, oh, God knows what I'm like, thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew. Uh, I would say that uh, God calls us to pray because we're called to try and become and look more like God, and we can't really do that if we don't know who He is and mm-hmm. we're talking to Him. That's great. I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think He wants our heart of submission, and if we're just going and doing it in our own strength and our own power, we are submitting to Him, so He wants to us to verbalize our heart of submission. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just Alex. he wants us to spend time with him. You know, just spend quality time. And that's how we spend quality time with God is praying. Yeah. That's wonderful. I and if we could tease that just for a moment. I absolutely hundred percent agree with that. But why? Like Well, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God and prayer is the ultimate source of way of showing your faith because you believe he's there and he answers it and he's going to work with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a relationship and if we don't spend quality time with him, then essentially it's like somebody you said was your best friend but you never spent any time with him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Vinny, what did you have to say? Um, it's, it's a way of really aligning ourselves with what God's kind of already doing and partnering with him. When we pray to him, he put things on our hearts, and we go, oh, that's what you're doing, God. And then we go, oh, okay, we should do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey. You know, the, the world back then is for us to self-separate by depending on ourselves, and uh, really only done by depending on God. And that's what prayer helps us do, is depend on God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is good. Um, anybody else? Just in line with what Vinny was saying, We've been saved for a purpose to be salt and light here, and if it's it's we're here to honor the king, yeah. and if we're not connecting communication with him, how can we know what yeah. he wants us to do? And so yeah, it's through prayer. You know, if if we were just saved and then taken to heaven, that you know, would be it. But he's left us here for a purpose, and yeah. how do we find out that purpose? It's primarily through, through prayer. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. And so just a few, I'll, um, Scripture has absolutely been given for us to know so much. Uh, I mean, I, I would, it's, it's, Scripture is very sufficient. It is sufficient uh, to us. But the Scripture attests to the Spirit, uh, which is, is meant to be a, a helper, meant to, to give us, you know, like next steps. Of, uh, and so it's not like we, we have the question of, like, what's our mission in the world? Um, and so just to be clear, just theologically, we don't, we don't guess at, like, what's our calling in the world? Like, it is to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus, the, the gospel of God, the good news of what God's doing in the world. That's been presented to us by the scriptures, but what's, what's interesting is the Holy Spirit is talked about in the scriptures, and that's given to us to 
to speak to us uh, of what the Father is, is doing. And so that can be an interesting conversation. Um, and so I wanted to just do light theology uh, of prayer as, as we're kind of getting into this. And, I, and this will lead to, to mission for sure. And um, I think it, it very much does. And so I, I, I love, I've, I'm feeling, it's interesting. So I, ha- I have these two things that I want to present to us, these two main points of prayer that I see. Um, like, why does God have us pray? And, but I felt them in all of your answers. And I'll get to those in just a second. But kind of stepping into theology for a moment, um, there's this classic debate, and I won't use any of the, the theological terms, and I apologize, I'm the world's worst, like, She's getting nervous that I'm going to write something in front of you. Uh, <coughs> there's this classic debate in theology, and I'll just describe it as something uh, like this. There's, there's a misunderstanding, and it goes something like this. The question is, does God control everything on one end? And I'm going to call this, and this, it's a bad understanding of this theology, you could call it something like fatalism. Do you guys know what fatalism is? It's the, if you ever read in high school the movie, or not the movie, it's the Shakespeare play Macbeth. There's this thing that happens in the, the beginning. These witches say this thing's going to happen, at, and no matter what you do, the end will will hap, happen to this to Macbeth. And so, no matter what happens, the end is already. Declared, and there's nothing that can change the end. That's sort of like this is, this is more deep. That I don't want to get too crazy deep on this, but fatalism is is just that no matter what we do, we're all robots, and there's there's no ebb and flow to the world to the world to the universe whatsoever. And so I would say this is like we should never really think about God in this kind of way. That's an extreme. That's a misunderstanding. And on the other end of this spectrum is, a, is another uh, misunderstanding within theology. And it kind of has this question of does God have no idea, no control, or no say of anything in the future? And so on, and on this end, there's I actually will use a, <laughs> it's a theological term. It's called open theism. Basically, it's just it, like some of the discussions on this side will just make it sound like God has no idea. He has no control. There's, there's nothing whatsoever that he can do. And it's like all dependent on us and like all. Yeah. So we're getting crazy here with theology. I am saying this is a bad way. This is a misunderstanding of, of, of theology, a misunderstanding of God, a misunderstanding of prayer. A better uh, way to look at it is throughout Scripture, we do see that God, um, I'm, oh man, I want to make sure to spell this word right, sovereignty, um, R-E-I-G-N-T-Y, <laughs> and on this end, <clears throat> I will say just prayer actually changes things. Are you guys sort of tracking with me here? So sovereignty is that God has control of the universe. He is he is moving history forward. He's not out of he's not out of control. He, it's not like he has no idea. Um, but he's all it's also not fatalism where it's like 
no matter what, we have, there's, there's zero choice in life. It, but sovereignty is this biblical thing that is, uh, I think what is, is crazy is we have to uh, embrace the mystery, uh, whoop, the mystery of Scripture. And that's just what it is. There is a, an intense mystery because, and I'll just make this statement, um, if your theological or like what you believe about God contradicts the, the moments and the things that scriptures say, there's a problem with your system, not with the scriptures. And the reason I say that is because both of these things are very clear in scripture. God is in control, in absolute control of, of where history is headed. We can trust him. He makes promises and we know that he will fulfill those promises. However, there's also the, the moments in scripture where, where God, he tells us, if you pray, I will listen. Things will happen. The world can be adjusted. And, and how do we reconcile those things? I mean, it, there's centuries and centuries of really intense debates surrounding this, and I'm trying to simplify it in just a moment. How do we, to, I, I think the humble Christian way to move forward within this is to embrace mystery and to trust God. We say, you know what? Like both of those things are handed to us from a God who has been faithful with his promises up to this point, and, and we just, we trust him. And we know that he is good and we embrace mystery. And so I'm sorry if I sent you your mind on a whirlwind with that. And the reason I, I wanted to get into this, the reason I think this matters a lot with prayer is because I actually think we accidentally fall into some of these kinds of things when we pray. I, hear, I have heard people say things like, yeah, you know, it's like, it, why, why should we pray anyway? God's kind of set it all in motion anyway. He's just going to do what he's going to do. And so my prayer doesn't mean anything. That's not understanding what scripture says, which is that prayer changes things. Or it's like people that pray, I, to me, out of a sense of duty. I don't know if you've known people that their prayers feel... Um, <laughs> You know, people say things like, oh, if someone died of, of a disease or something, well, I guess I just didn't spend enough hours of, it all depends on me, and I guess I just didn't do enough. Like, the world could go out of control if I don't just become a legalist Pharisee and spend all day and all night praying. The world doesn't depend on you. Uh, there is this, God has control of the universe. So, I'll, I'll stop. I'll be out of this. So... Why does God want us to pray? Two main reasons that I see the Bible calls us to pray. Number one, and you guys kind of were saying this in your answers, prayer gives us God's heart. Just really simply, why, why do we pray? Because like you were saying, Alex, prayer brings us into relationship with the Father. It gives us his heart. It gives us his ways. Number two, prayer actually changes things. And so I just I wanted it to be really simple as we thought about this as it pertains to mission. Why do we pray? Because prayer gives us God's heart and because prayer actually does things. And so let's just go through a couple of scriptures. I want us just to see this. Um, okay, we're really getting close on time, actually. Psalm 1. And you guys, maybe we don't have to change uh, or like, uh, you don't have to turn there in your Bibles. Or you can if you want. 
Psalm 1, uh, verse 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. It says about that person, verse 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. This, so a person that puts themselves in line with the way of God, they meditate on God day and night, they're like a tree planted by a stream. They get God's heart. I think that for sure pertains to prayer. Psalm 37, 4, uh, this is a tricky verse. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Can often be quoted uh, where people are like, oh man, I really desire a Mercedes. And so if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me my desires. And I think we really should, we should read it slowly and carefully. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. If you really dig into this verse, this is more along the lines of he is going to place desires in you. But what's interesting is it actually does, it does still hint at he will give you your desires. But you really need to think about the front part of the verse. If you're delighting yourself in the Lord, your, des your desires are going to become his desires and he, he is going to give you your desires. Does that make sense? Like, he would love nothing more than to say, man, Vinny, you're really into this, this, and this. I want to give you those things and I'm going to because your, your ways are my ways. So why would I not? Like Vinny's really into the ways of God and he wants to go do it out in the world and he's constantly meditating on who I am. I'm gonna just give Vinny his desires, which are not Mercedes and wealth and <laughs> the crazy things of the world. So John 15, 7, Jesus says to his disciples, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I love that because that to me says both parts of those things that I, I, I think prayer does. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, like if you're getting God's heart, if you're spending time, if you're remaining and abiding with God and he's giving you his heart, he says, ask whatever you want and things in the world are going to start to happen. So things will actually change because of your prayer. Do you guys see kind of what I'm getting at there? And so God wants us to pray because it actually changes things. I want to look at a couple of verses uh, from that side of things. Oh man, is this one of those rooms where we... Okay, uh, mood lighting. <laughs> Crazy verse here. This, and talk about mystery. Exodus 32, 9 through 12. We cannot unpack this. It would be too lengthy, it's, but it's intense. It's, uh, this is Moses. The people of Israel have been in crazy sin. God is, is very upset about the sin of the Israelites. And Moses is going to God, and he's petitioning on behalf of the people uh, of Israel. And this is, this is a moment here. The Lord says to Moses, I have seen the people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. They're prideful. They're not changing. I, I've seen the people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. God wants to consume them in this moment. It seems like destroy them. 
But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, he's contending to God, he said, why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? And he's saying this to God, turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. And then God does. And so it, it, it seems like we can just do with scripture what it gives to us. It seems that God had an intention and Moses pleaded with him. But what I love is he pleads with God along the lines of God's heart. He doesn't say, hey, God, would you just please, because I just, oh, man, it would be so lame if you did that. He says, you're like this, and let me tell you who you are like. I'm going to recount it back to you. You're this kind of God. And, and then God says, okay, I, I am, I'm going to turn and do something different. And I, I don't mean to make any sort of crazy declarations from that other than the scriptures present to us a world that can, can change because of prayer because of pleading with God. Jesus says in Luke uh, 11, 9 through 10, ask and it will be given you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. Uh, and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Matthew 9, 37 through 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So he says, hey, there's a mission out there. And I love, think about this. Jesus' answer to them, Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So God's answer for the mission is, hey, it's not, hey, get out there, hit the streets. It's therefore pray. Therefore seek the Lord. That's Matthew 9, 37, 38. Um, and so... What I would love for us to do is, uh, I'm going to ask Courtney, if you want to come up here, you can. Um, we're just going to share, um, man, I'm not giving us much time to pray. Um, but we're going to share real quickly uh, just a couple stories that we feel like fit in both of those categories. Where, where God has done something to our heart as we've prayed and where we've seen a few things change because we, we felt like, wow, it, Something happened as a result of us seeking God. And so, um, Court, do you have? Yeah. Um, so I think we had this huge life move. We moved our whole family to Denver, and we, um, we were looking for a home. And so we spent this one weekend. We still lived in California, and we spent this one weekend. This is our time to find a place to live. And so we were getting so discouraged, so frustrated, we weren't finding anything. And there was this one house that we're like, okay, this could be a fit. And before we went in, we're like, we need to pray because this is not going well. Um, this weekend, you know, we're angry at each other, we're frustrated. And so before we went into the house, we just sat at our car and prayed. Like, if this is your house for us, please let it be. Like, we, we only have like a few more hours until we have to leave, so we need to find a place. Um, that ended up being the house that we moved into. And we moved in not knowing anything about the neighborhood, anything about where we were moving. And it has been a huge blessing. Uh, we have made amazing relationships with 
the majority of our neighbors, but our direct neighbors in particular, I want to share with you a little, um, a little story. Um, they are 26, newly married, and she, knock on, she knocks on my door and, here's cookies. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so nice, you're bringing me cookies. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. She brings me cookies and she goes, oh, why did you move here? And I said, oh, we're actually here to plant or start a church. And she goes, that is so amazing. And she's asking me these questions. Like, it sounds like you know, you're familiar with Christianity, church, lingo. So then they had us over for dinner a few days later. And the husband, Hank, the, the gal's name is Sam, kind of confusing. But Hank was, I'll call her Samantha, to make it a little easier. Hank was like, yeah, I actually wanted to go into ministry. I was really excited to go into ministry. And then I met Sam, points at Sam. And Sam's like, yep, I grew up in a Catholic church. I really didn't want to have anything to do with church, ministry, anything. And we would actually enjoy checking out your church. I left so encouraged. I was like, Lord, this is amazing. <laughs> Turns out we had some more conversations, and Sam was like, yeah, your church isn't something I want to be a part of. It just seems... You guys believe in Jesus exclusively. Yeah, you believe in Jesus, some kind <laughs> so. of like spirituality. So distance kind of formed. Crushed. I was so crushed. I'm like, Lord, like this was going great. Like we prayed, like we've been praying for them. And so she kind of just became a bit distant. And I told Josh, I was like, we need to be in prayer for them. Like the Lord is gonna do something in their lives. Mind you, we've only been there eight months, so I'm not gonna tell you this crazy story that she's been baptized or something. <coughs> Maybe next year. Um, but so it's been, you know, we just really spent like, Lord, we need to we need to pray for them. Like that's the only way that we're gonna get anything. Um, because they were really kind of became distant. And that day I spent a lot of time praying for Samantha. And she texted me and said, hey, can I come over? I really need to like seek advice from you. Totally knowing like I'm a Jesus person. She knows the advice that I'm going to be giving her. And she just comes to our, our house crying in our living room, just sharing what she's going through and just saying like, I just... I need help and I need counsel and I need your advice. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You have been so standoffish for such a long time. And we just were really like, man, Lord, like we need to be praying for them. Like it is yeah. so important. We can't just be flippant with our relationship with them. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were, Matt Larson came a few months ago and we were just so encouraged by this friendship and relationship. Like there's something stewing. There's something like, something's happening and like maybe it's kind of us like maybe we're just really cool and they really like us <laughs> and then Matt was like we have been praying like multiple people for years have been praying for you guys have been praying for your house have been praying for Denver years before you guys have even moved here like this is the work of the Lord like this is nothing that we are doing yeah we were accidentally acting like it was like, a coincidence yeah wow this is kind of cool and just realizing, no, it is the power of prayer. And um, so that was just really encouraging to us. Um, and I think, too, we, we do get a little, after kind of she came, asked for, like, advice and guidance, um, we would 
before we would go to their house, we would kind of like, hey, let's be in, like, we need to spend time praying before we go over there. Like, we need to go over, like, with a, a mission mindset of not just flippantly going over there. Um, and we would do that. And I think we got a little bit, we weren't desperate. And there was one night where we went over there and they were inviting some friends who um, were out of town. And we didn't go over there, we didn't pray before. And it was a crazy, like, People were drinking a lot, and it was... Like so a lot, a lot. Drinking a lot, and <laughs> we are like, what is happening? Like, this is not... We're so confused, and we left discouraged. We felt just... I don't know. It was just a very weird, sad moment, and we just went to our house and just were like, we need to pray, and we just spent a long time that night just praying and realizing our desperate need for Jesus in this moment, that it has nothing to do with Joshua or I. It is fully, 100%, like, dependent on Jesus. And I think we got a little arrogant, like, oh, we could just go over there and hang with our friends. And, you know, like, we need to be on a mission when we are, when we are with them. And we need yeah. to be, we need to be drenched in prayer. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I just, that's kind of my encouragement of it's been an up and down road, but I think it's been down when we have gotten really arrogant and been like, oh, we got this, it's us. And yeah. we kind of really need to, it has really shown us our dependence on Jesus. Like we, yeah. we cannot do anything apart from being in prayer with Jesus. Yeah, totally. And so, I mean, I think I can really, it's crazy. I can confidently say with our church in Denver right now, we're really, we're really figuring out how to be friends with people that don't know Jesus. It's becoming really easy for us. Um, we, I, I mean, I could list so many people that we're hanging out with, that we're spending time with, that are not at all Jesus followers. And, and I say that, I don't mean to be arrogant, but like I say that confidently because the thing that is really becoming apparent to us is that we really, we really need these two things so badly like it, it's becoming so apparent to us in, in the stories Courtney's sharing it's like we've had there's something that happens to us as we pray before like we have a Super Bowl party uh, tomorrow in Denver we're flying back tonight and there we have seen over and over a pattern of when we when we go to those having prayed for people by name I'm gonna pray for Spencer I'm gonna pray for for um, Dan and for Kevin and for uh, you know, a number of these other people, when I say their names, it starts to affect my heart. And then when I see Dan and when I see Spencer, I'm just thinking about it differently rather than so often I roll into the, you know, they're becoming friends. And I'm sure some of you have these non-believing friends where you just casually roll in. You're like, what's up, dude? And you just, you can get into conversation about music or about food or restaurants or coffee or whatever. And it just goes on. And those should happen because those are normal parts of relationships. But if you're never just, if it's never on your mind that you've prayed for them, that you've spent time with the Lord, asking God on behalf of Dan and Spencer, you're just... It's just, it's, I think it's fruitless. And I actually think it's not propelling forward the mission. So that's me saying it does something to our heart as we step into these gatherings. And then, I mean, let's just not ever forget when we pray for Spencer and Dan, we're contending for the Holy Spirit to do something in them that we can't do. And so that's why my argument today is just, we realize the mission, it's impossible. 
Like, I want these people to convert to Christianity that live in Denver, Colorado, where marijuana and snowboarding and these things are their God, and I want them to break those gods and choose Jesus instead. I can't do that. Like, I can't. And so I, I need prayer to, to absolutely, uh, Jesus has to do that. And, and so, but I also want to step in with intentionality and with God's heart. And I also, I just forget to love these people when I don't pray for them. You know, there's not like, a, I'm not stepping in with, kind, it just can become a flippant relationship. And we see that. And so I think with Courtney's stories, we've seen those kind of different moments, like, like we stepped into this party and people were just getting wasted and we got caught, we were just like having conversations and I wasn't thinking like, oh man, what's God's heart for these people right now? I just forgot, which sounds terrible. And we got, and that's why we woke up the next morning and we we're just like, that was, that was a crappy night. Um, and so I think we have just six minutes. What I want, I'm, thank you, Court. Um, what I would love for us to do in this moment we had a moment that was really huge for us as a, as a new community. We got together with a whiteboard with our, our church, and we literally wrote people's names on the board, and then we prayed. And so I'm not going to do that right now with the whiteboard, but um, can you spend, let's spend 30 seconds, and I would love for you to think of a non-believer that's in your life currently. Um, and then I'd love for us to, can we pray in groups of two to three? Um, if, if we're with spouses, maybe kind of try and mix match a little bit and just call out to God um, for those people. And so I only gave us five minutes. I'm sorry. Um, but can we go for that? Like actually just ask God, like, hey, would you do something with so-and-so? So let's go for it.